You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, please visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 33 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Alga. And on this podcast, we attempt to crack the code of the entertainment industry one conversation at a time. And to that end, we interview actors, directors, filmmakers, casting directors, agents, managers, anybody involved in the entertainment industry, and we package them up in this little podcast and we deliver it to an iTunes near you. And on the show today, we've got part two of our interview with uh, actor James Leo Ryan. Um, some really interesting stuff about type, and we're continuing that conversation into part two. Um, and uh, we hope you really enjoy that. So, uh, what's what's your? You were just telling me about it, but what's yeah. it called again? My my pick of the week is a book that came out in like the mid '90s called um, "The Millionaire Next Door," and it's a basically this big comprehensive study of millionaires in the United States and what their lifestyles are like. And by lifestyle, I don't mean like what's their house look like. I mean like what are their investing habits? What are their buying habits? You know, how do they manage their money? How do, what, what kind of cars do they drive? You know, what, what, how do they spend their time? That kind of thing. And it's, it's really enlightening. And the, the, if I could kind of sum everything in the book up into just a nugget, it would be be really conscious of your money, put the time necessary into kind of uh, managing it. And um, and save, you know, and make smart investment decisions. You know, do your do your homework. It's really it's really fascinating. Anybody, if you can pick it up, um, check it out on paperbackswap.com. That's where I got it. I got it for free on paperbackswap.com. It's a really cool book sharing service you can use. Um, paperbackswap.com is a, yeah. a book sharing service. <clears throat> yeah. So like you basically put up books that you own and you can exactly. send them to somebody and they exactly. send you. Yeah. You list your books and if somebody requests them, you, you agree to send it to them and you pay the postage, which is like two thirty something okay. for media mail. And then when they receive it, they log into the website, say they've received it and then you get a credit. And you can your you can use your credit to request a book from somebody else, oh, and they send it to you. So it's free. essentially like a giant bartering service. Exactly, wow, exactly. And there's really no cool. there's no fee other than the postage that you pay to send books to other people. It's like it's all kind of an honor system, but it works really well because everybody awesome. that's on there is like all about getting good books. Right. I haven't had I have yet to have a, a bad experience. Not that's really cool on that site. Um, Wow, so paperbacks, you got to put that paperbackswap.com. Yeah, I've gotten at least like the last 20 of my books, I've gotten them from that website. That's really neat. Yeah. Paperbackswap.com. Cool. So, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is a book by Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk, who some of you might know from just, I don't know, being on Twitter, I guess. Um, The book is called Crush It, subtitled Why Now is the Time to Cash In on Your Passion. Um, so I'm going to show that to our Ustream uh, viewers right now. And um, I have been wanting to read this book for basically since it came out, which was in 2009. Um, and it's all about sort of unlocking your passion, finding out what it is that you're passionate about, and then really going after it and figuring out ways to make it your niche, make it your like, like where make it your expertise, where people come to you um, for... Um, 
not necessarily expert advice, but just because mm-hmm. they like your style. Tim Ferriss talks about this too, about being not recognized as an expert in the field, but being recognized as somebody who's mm, not magnetic's not the right word, but enthusiastic, enthusiastic about, about it. it. Yeah. And as maybe he says, like all you have to do is read like the, you know the top three books in that field to know more than most people. Who haven't yeah. read those top, three, read the books, top right? three books, you know? So it sounds yeah. like it's the same vein. So it's it's interesting because I, I it's sort of this is sort of a meta recommendation because I'm applying a lot of these concepts to the podcast, um, uh, and I'm I'm really excited about it. I think I I, I think that this book and this episode is going to represent a turning point that maybe our listeners won't necessarily hear or see Mm. but they'll just it'll all of a sudden start happening where you know uh the podcast will continue to improve from here on out and and um i think it's going to be just because of the the dialogue and the conversation that this is going to start up yeah um so i'm really excited um for us and for the conversation that's going to be sparked um with our listeners because of this so totally totally. stay tuned for that i'm gonna check out i I might even just pick that book up it looks cool well like i said you can read it um as soon as i'm done with it i'm almost (laughs) done i'm almost done very i'm very close we should we should also link to his ted talk that's how i first kind of heard about him it was only a couple weeks ago that i heard about this guy and now it's like he's suddenly everywhere in my life you know yeah yeah well he i mean (laughs) if if you know who he is then you realize that he's just he is kind of yeah. everywhere but yeah the, his ted talk is really inspirational and honestly his ted talk is basically what the book is like um the people at his publishing the people who published this book were at one of his talks one of his um things that he did. i don't think it was that ted talk but uh, basically a seminar that he was speaking at and they were like man this guy needs to write this stuff down and mm-hmm. so they basically assigned him uh, uh, an editor and he essentially just gave his talk sort of expanded on it and gave his talk and this editor just took dictation essentially. So, um, it's, uh, it's a really, really motivational book. That's the thing that I like about it. Um, some of the concepts are sort of, um, difficult to apply to an acting career, but I mean, the fact is if you're passionate about something, which hopefully everyone listening to this podcast is passionate about something. Um, and, um, you know, knowing our listeners, it's probably going to be art of some form. Yeah. Um, you'll find something of value from it. Well, it's, it's cool because it really fits in with the thrival job thing, too. You know, we've, <clears throat> we spent a whole episode a few weeks back doing a, doing a, a discussion on th- uh, day jobs and thrival jobs. And it sounds like this is something that could translate directly to building a job, not a job, building an, a, a, an income stream for yourself around this crazy lifestyle. You know? Sure, yeah. He, he, he talks about having patience for that kind of thing and that if you do show some patience and some perseverance um and just you know just keep rocking your passion or crushing it as he would say like all the time um eventually you will be able to live 100 percent happy hmm. um doing well yeah you'll be able to basically make money doing what you love 100 percent of the time cool you'll be 100 percent happy 100 percent of the time and you won't necessarily be worried about how much money you're pulling in because uh-huh. it will be enough to sustain you and you'll be ha- and you'll be so stoked to be doing what you're doing cool regardless of how much you're making i dig that yeah sounds like my kind of book it's really cool it's really cool 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 so those are pick of the week
So we have a uh, listener email first, yeah, We have a right? couple of emails. Um, well, several. These, we're going to read two this time. We got some time. really good ones in the past week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and some good voicemails. So we're going to yeah. read a couple this week, and we'll, we'll table the other ones for next week. But keep them coming, guys. Uh, InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com or our voicemail, uh, 1213-2-ACTORS. Um, okay, so this one comes from a listener uh, by the name of Jennifer Moses. Um, and <laughs> she recently discovered the podcast and then went back, like a lot of our listeners mm-hmm. have done, and just started listening through every single episode, which, first of all, blows me away. And I'm so humbled that people are, are doing this. Yeah. Um, and she came upon episode nine, which was Peter Bedard's episode. Mm-hmm. And she essentially had a very um, strong reaction, <laughs> which is great because I, I I love that this conversation is coming up because it's one of those things that's true, but there are so many exceptions. Not not maybe that came out wrong. It's true in many cases, but not all cases. Right, and that's sort of what I because I, I responded to the email and I, I wanted to make sure that we answered her question offline as well as online. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you want to, Do you have the email there? Yeah, yeah, I got it right here. Why don't you uh, kind of summarize it for us? Cool. Uh, let's see here. So she says, I'm 35 years old, but read and then submitted for roles in my 20s. And don't think it's too late for me. She put too late for me in quotes. I have a print agent and a manager, both of whom submit me for work and have never once told me that I'm quote unquote too old. In fact, I have a good friend of mine who is an actor. He played the super in serendipity and he didn't start his career until his late 20s and this is all kind of going in the um in this is all in response to peter's comment that you've got to be young and beautiful to work in hollywood right you know which is obviously a a big generalization but um jennifer wrote in and said you know this really struck a chord with me because the actors come in all shapes and sizes you know they work commercially all the time um theatrically all the time you know like the the person that comes to mind is a dude from office space the guy with the thick glasses with the stapler you guys know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like that guy, guy is doesn't not, get a piece of cake yeah i mean I, you know he's not young and beautiful by hollywood standards you know but he's such a he's such a character actor and he's had a great career so jennifer was really responding to that um saying you know this isn't true for me you know i'm 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 not in the in that you Early know category range, yeah you know um but i'm still going out all the time and um um, she basically wanted to more or less kind of almost like set the record straight a little bit. Was, or was at least like, voice her dissent. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. So, and we loved getting this email because it was very uh, interesting. Well, I mean, to, to this kind about. this, I mean, this type of email is almost like what the podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. It's generating this type of discussion. Yeah. You know? Um, did you have a response for her? I think she's absolutely right. You know, I mean, I, I agree with Peter, you know, he says, get out here as soon as you can. If you want to be an actor, maybe even skip college and start working as soon as you can, because your youth is such a, an asset, mm-hmm. especially if you're a beautiful young person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, that's absolutely true. I mean, how many shows like 90210 and Gossip Girl are mm-hmm. there? Vampire Diaries, I mean, you name it. There are tons of roles for actors like that, but does that mean that shows like The Office and, um, um, you know, CSI or, or, or ER, which is no longer running, but or Grey's Anatomy, you know, or commercials? I mean, those shows are casting people in their 20s, or I'm sorry, in their 30s or 40s mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily models mm-hmm. all the time. There's probably four or five times as many of those people, if at the very least, 
working as right. there are of the young, pretty people. So Peter's got a point, and I agree with him. But Jennifer's also got a point. Jennifer, and I agree with her. Point. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I just, you know, I sent her a quick uh, email just saying, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before about how, um, like Trevor said, actors come in all shapes and sizes. And you and I both went to school. Like we chose, mm-hmm. that's the path that we chose. And I basically was like, you know, everyone has a different path. And the fact that she wrote this email means that, you know, there are different points of view out there. And that is like I said, exactly what this podcast is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, we have, um, one more email, uh, that I'd like to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, this one comes to us from Brant David Williams. Um, and I'll kind of try to summarize it down. Basically he's talking about, um, if you're in Los Angeles or a major market, if you're in Los Angeles, New York, or, or one of the major markets, um, Often times you will see a Dropbox outside of a casting director's door, literally a cardboard box or a you know U.S. Postal Service mailbox sitting outside of a casting director's door, and that box is there for either general or specific submissions to something that they are casting. So either general submissions to just like you know put you on their radar, or um, uh, they're there for specific roles that they are currently casting. And uh, he's basically asking, you know, uh, is that something that is still useful in this sort of new digital age that we're in right now? Um, so I responded via email to him as well. But, Trev, what do you what do you think of this? Um, I think it's becoming <clears throat> less and less useful um i interesting story about this actually in my power group that i I have a meeting every monday morning with a bunch of actors and we discuss our career goals and our experiences and stuff with each other but um one of our guys was in new york for a week last week and he thought while he was there he'd look up the shows that were there and who casts them and and do some drops you know um for those shows and so he was going around to these offices and just you know popping in and saying hey my name's jordan i'm in town you know i I thought I'd drop off my headshot. And they were, like, baffled. Apparently, it's very different. Because in, in L.A., you can go do that. You can go and drop off your stuff, and it's mm-hmm. it's cool. People are like, okay, cool, thanks. In New York, they were all like, so do you have an appointment? Like, so so what am I supposed to do with your headshot? You know? And he's like, well, you know, if you're casting something, or, like, or I noticed you're casting this show and this role, and I would fit this. I saw this on the breakdowns today, or I saw the thing posted on the wall outside the door, and... There's still people here I could fit in. Maybe I can come in for this. And they were just like, uh, you need an appointment. So it, it's different depending on which market you're in, New York or L.A., um, gotcha. apparently. That's according to my friend Jordan's experience. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, but I think you'd be much – I think you could spend your time a lot better if you – gosh, I'm trying to think. Like the, I took a, one of Dallas Travers's phone seminars. She offers a a, a – like a, she has a book and she offers some sort of like a, I think she calls it the thriving artist circle. It's kind of like a mastermind thing for a bunch of actors that it, mm-hmm. it's done by teleseminar every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, I, I went to, I, I called into like a free teleseminar thing she was doing. And one of the tips she shared was that you should just cold call the producers of the shows that you want to work on. And it can be terrifying, yes. Wow. But just find out who's producing it, cold call them and say, hey, my name's so-and-so, I'm an actor, I'm interested in working on the show, what can I do to get involved? Wow. And I, I'm not going to lie, I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, you know? seriously. But um, 
I, I, I get her newsletter now, and every once in a while, she has a story about someone who did get a part just by going and cold calling. So, I mean, I think that if you can be bold like that, uh, either online or on the phone, that'll save you a lot of time and money than actually physically going there and doing what so many other actors are doing, which is dropping off a headshot, which will probably just end up in the trash anyway, to be honest. I'm having an interesting reaction to what you're saying right now, because I feel like if I were to do that, I, for some reason, I think my manager would kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did what? Yeah. You did what yeah. with, you know, without like talking to me or consulting me first? Like you called a producer. I, I, I say, can't, like, I would like to yeah. be on your show. I like, can't condone this course of action, but I think it's really interesting to think about approaching your business that way. So actors out there listening to this, if you have done this, please get in touch with us. I would love to hear a um, success and or horror story around this. That would just be really, really fascinating to hear. Um, Obviously, someone has done it and it's been successful with them. Trevor got that Mm -hmm. newsletter, but I don't know. That's that's an interesting one. Um, My response to Brant was just that, you know, make sure that whatever you do, it's specific. Because I went to yeah. Actor Fest last year. We, t- we had a whole episode on that. And they had a whole table out there with the different casting directors' boxes. And I, I had enough headshots with me, uh, headshots and resumes, that I dropped it in every single box. I didn't hear from one of them. I can't imagine they would have time to sit down and go through that big stack and go, okay, let me see who's going to be right. You know, Mark Gantz said it. Like, if you see a role that's right for you, make it as simple as possible for them to take yes, a exactly. next action. Exactly. And what that's, is the next action <clears throat> And that's what I told Brand. I was like... I was like, if you're going to drop off a headshot and resume, make sure it's in one of the boxes that's for a specific role on a specific show that you fit. Yeah. Otherwise, don't waste your time and money. Yeah. Because time, driving around to all these places, money, the gas, the headshot, the resume that you're just dropping in there that's, like you said, probably just going to end up in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a decent segue to actually one of the listener comments that we've gotten on Ustream right now. Um, Matt Wild or as M Wildman, who I'm assuming is Matt Wilder um, from M- Twitter. Oh, um, it is. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it cool. is. Um, he said he, when we were having the discussion about Jennifer's email, he said, "Isn't isn't um, casting all about finding a show that's basically like or finding a role that's basically you and getting cast in?" As yourself. Right, right, right. You know? yeah. Which Mark Gant also talked about. You uh-huh. know, Start with that. Start with the easy stuff. Start with the stuff that's like, you should be playing that role on television because that's you. You have that experience. You know what that's like. Yeah. And then later on down the road, you can start playing the guy with the eye patch or the lip. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I love that comment. That was great. Yeah. Um, anything else for uh, Brant's question? I mean, that, that, that's, that's a really good question because it's it's that's like Alan Barton said it in his epi- in his episode. Conventional thinking about careers is toast, and this makes me wonder: is doing headshot drop offs is that conventional thinking? Is that the conventional approach? I mean, I think it is. Yeah, I'm not I'm not one to say that it doesn't yeah. work anymore, but I, I don't see it being effective just from my limited experience in the right. in the um, industry. Well, it, it, it seems like, you know, what we've talked about many, many times before, where it seems like a shotgun blast as opposed to a sniper rifle. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, we what gotta, it, that's what it seems we gotta like. we got to come up with a different metaphor for that. Because every time I think of that, I'm like, please, nobody, don't go kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think anybody would. Uh, famous last words. Um, so, we have a voicemail. We do have a voicemail. All right, let's, uh, let's listen to this. Um, this comes from uh, Joel Jacobs, who's in Connecticut. Joel, cool. Um, and she's, uh, it's not really a question. She's talking about it, this seminar that she went to. Um, and uh, I'll just let her kind of explain it, but it's an interesting concept. Great. 
Hey guys, this is Joelle Jacob from Connecticut. Um, thanks again for all your hard work. I love the podcast. Um, when I was listening to episode 31, you guys had mentioned how we actors can be concerned about how we're perceived and if we're giving the right expressions. Well, what's interesting is that I just went to a free seminar recently in Boston that was Skyped through from L.A. coach, acting coach, John Sudal, who gives a specialized course on this very subject. And come to find out that there was a study in the 40s, I believe, where the sociologist, I can't remember his name, studied facial expressions all over the world in many cultures, including the most remote cultures of the time, where and when there were, like, no effects of modern living like TV and radio. And what he discovered was that all humans use the same facial expressions for emotion. And although different, different cultures or people may develop different ways to hide them or alter them for culture's sake or self-protection, all humans use the same facial language. And anyway, for on-camera really work, yeah. this sort of thing is crucial to being able to... I tried looking for the study and couldn't find it, and so I'm going to ask her to send it in to us. And so John speaks about the different personality types and how that affects our behavior in real life and on, on camera. And the free seminar is pretty cool because it gives lots of information that you could study on your own but I'm signing up for the course and working on bringing it to my town instead of driving the two hours to Boston um, but it's just kind of neat because you just you know you can Skype this thing and he can because it's all on camera work he can kind of see what you're projecting and like tell you why you're not projecting the correct emotion for say during an audition when you have to give that particular um, emotion in your expression. But anyway, I thought I'd share. His um, name is John Sudal, and the website is John Sudal Studios. That's S-U-D-O-L. And I don't know. thought you might benefit from it. Take care. Thanks again. Bye. This is... <laughs> This is one of those questions or comments rather that just shows how deep the rabbit hole can go. You know, <laughs> like we're talking about sociological studies of facial expressions across cultures. It's like, that's really interesting. I think you and I, it's, it, it's interesting though, cause you had a reaction. I almost don't want to feed it to you cause you had a reaction at the same point of this voicemail that I had a reaction to. And I want to hear what that was when she started talking about Skype. <clears throat> she was talking about the fact that this, this teacher, um, John Sadal can offer basically Skyped acting classes, which are happening more and happening more, more often. More, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even our, our buddy Ben Hopkin over at, uh, what's his name? Acting, his? acting without the drama. Acting dot without com, I believe. Drama or acting yeah. no drama. Acting com. no drama is his Twitter handle. It's his Twitter handle. Right. And he's got that podcast for actors, yeah. um, which is more technique based than ours, which is more, you know, business based. He does this as well. So it's becoming more and more popular. And I thought, for some reason, I was listening to this, and I thought, I wonder if Trevor's going to have something to say about this. I, I, mm, mm, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I was always, I had two reactions to this, and I, well, number one is the online thing. I'm not quite sure if I buy it yet. I'm not quite sure if I think that you can do an acting class with your computer alone in your bedroom. You know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. if you have someone there, coach, I, it's just not the same. You have to have people around you. I, I am brill- I'm a fucking Oscar-winning brilliant actor in my car on the way to auditions, <laughs> in the shower, in my bedroom. You know what I mean? But get one other person in the room, and it could even be you, someone that, that is like that I'm comfortable with in my life, and that's not that's not gonna like scare the shit out of me because I don't feel judged, and it's gonna completely change my 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 work because right. because. You ha- there's a physical presence in the room. It's different. Right. So, so there was well, that. 
I, I yeah no I just want to yeah. add on to that because I had the same I I feel the same way that you do but then I have this little tiny bug in the back of my head that goes oh my god am I already sort of becoming the previous generation am I already thinking like <laughs> this oh new technology yeah, is yeah, yeah. passing me up and I'm yeah. not yeah. I'm 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 being anti this new way of thinking and this new technology yeah you know am I already letting the technology train pass me by because I'm I've got these deep-seated roots in theater like Oh, you know what I mean? Like it's this little bug in the back of my head where I go, man, maybe all the stuff that Alan Barton said applies to me too. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like what's, what's going to happen? I'm behind the curve. I'm already behind the curve. Like, yeah. that, and that's all. Cause I, I feel the same way that you do. That's a, it's a weird thing to me, you know, and I don't want to discount any of these guys that, I mean, most of them have not only their degrees in theater, but have taught acting, yeah. you know, for many, many years. And, and neither of us have done this. So it, it could be, that's true too. It could be incredible. That's I mean, true. You too. know, so. that's true too. We have, we have not um yeah but that was the second half of what she was talking about the first half mm-hmm. like you were saying how deep does the rabbit hole go go yeah very very interesting stuff i couldn't find the study that she's referring to from the 40s um and i know there's some listener out there who probably knows what it is or has studied it themselves so if you do and maybe you're on live stream right now so tell us if not um Send us an email or tweet at us or something. Let us know what this study is because I would love to, to to look it up and just just to look at it and tell yeah. our listeners about it. Um, but it's basically a study that he did about you know the facial expressions that people make, and so yeah, of course that's going to be uh, a useful tool for actors. Um, yeah. You know. yeah. Um, yeah. And what. I, you, I I was always you taught completely disagree with me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think it's useful. I think it's incredibly. The more you can learn about human behavior and and transcultural um, stuff, the better. But I was always taught um, to not use. I mean, and this goes back to what Amber was doing, um, or, or talked about in her voicemail, where she was. She kind of went into the mirror, and that's she what was this like, is a response to. By the way, Joel was responding okay. to us talking cool. about you know. Uh, that particular voicemail, the facial expressions you make in the mirror, the facial expressions you make into a camera, and how you right. are saying like it can get away I, with it can you, get away from you, away from like you, yeah. you, know, you know, you want to have a third eye there, somebody who's like coaching you or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what she's responding to. Yeah, and I, like I said, for Amber, I think commercially that's really valuable stuff. I think if you're doing a dramatic, you know, Shakespeare scene, for instance, you know, or or even just something on, you know, um, you know, CSI, Criminal Intent, or whatever. I was always taught that looking in the mirror and evaluating yourself is not a good idea because you're going to think about, you're going to think more about what you look like and less about what your intentions are as, as an actor, as that character, what you're trying to get from the other person. And this goes back to like Stanislavski and and Meisner 101, you know, what do you want from that person? Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking about like, are my eyes too squinty, you know, or like, or like, is my hair in the, in this, in, you know, about tucked behind my ear. Right. Like, right. You know, that's where you get a little bit into a little too far into that side of technique. Yeah. Does that well, make sense? You know what I mean? I it, mean do- it totally makes sense, but also keep in mind, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, uh, that's sort of coming at it from an American look at acting. Mm hmm. Which we both are from that school of thought because we're yeah. American. The British, especially, um, will will often work from the outside in, mm-hmm. whereas Americans always work from the inside out. The British will say, you know, given this character's past, present, 
economic status, race, what culture they grew up in, all that stuff, given all these different factors, <clears throat> how does that make them walk? Mm. How does that make them speak? How does that make them, you know, which is all good work sure, and stuff sure, that, sure. We sh- that every actor should do. But I think that w- it, I think an American leaves that for the end. Sure. I think that's something that an American does towards the end, whereas they start from there and work their way in. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> I think, I think, mm, I don't know. For me personally, it varies by the role. Some like like Bill, for instance, in Wounded. For me, right off the bat, that was how does he move? What does his voice sound like? How does he walk? And then that helped me get into the character. But other things, it's the other way around. I'm not I'm not disputing what you just said. I'm just kind of no, adding yeah. on to that. No, I it's think true. It's like different roles call for different approaches. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. And that's an intuitive thing, you know, that, that actors figure out. I guess what I'm you know, but this is more like analytical than than technique or, or or an approach you know what i mean if you're thinking about how that what you look like on camera oh, there's a part of you that's okay. sitting outside going that's gonna go eventually it's gonna be like do i look right you know like you're, you're just gonna really get into mental thing or and, a, and then i think it's gonna lead to subpar acting inevitably interesting okay i'm with you on that i don't know i'm with you on that i hear I hear what you're saying. So I, I really appreciate Joel's voicemail. I, I just think you know well, there, there are pitfalls to to be aware of when you when you go into this area. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it makes it makes sense. Because well, because because if you're talking about somebody's facial expressions, you're not necessarily talking about their intention. But then if again, but then again. That this kind of work may be work that gets you lots of film and television. That's true. That's roles. very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> because you see a lot of actors who really aren't that great working all the time on television because they know how to sell that part, that type, right. that, that tortured drug dealer, whatever it is. Right. Um, but I feel like if your intention is strong enough and you've done your homework, you won't need to worry about facial expressions and stuff like that. Cause it's just going to come across. It's just right. going to come out. So you know th- we could talk about this for well. I, three find, more it hours, inter- I find it but... interesting that we um, sort of transitioned into a conversation about technique. Yeah, you know, yeah. which has been happening more often on the podcast lately. It has. I hope it continues to happen. Which is cool. Do you want to talk about what we've been up to this week, or do we not have time? I again? think we should just roll into the interview. All right, cool. Um, um, so we have part two of our interview with uh, uh, Mr. James Leo Ryan coming at you. Um, yeah. Enjoy that, and we'll see you on the other side. So, so you you so you got out of here to LA, um, and um, you kind of got started working on these TV shows. Did you have? I'm curious. Did you have a plan, or was this were these auditions? I guess I'm acting. Like, I'm asking like a three part question. Did you have a plan of like I want to book these kinds of jobs or with these kinds of shows, and I'm gonna make sure that I build relationships with these people who work on these shows, or was it like a through like kind of random workshops or did your agent just say, okay, I'm going to submit you. I mean like, what was that process like? Cause like you said, you, you had this kind of niche kind of figured out Like you wanted, you, you, you knew that you could do the kind of like darker, darker roles. Well, I actually, you know, I wasn't sure. Yeah. In, in, inside I knew I could do it, but I'd never been given the opportunity. So all I knew is before I was moving to L.A. is I wanted to make myself look as specific as possible. And 
the only, you know, the only thing I thought of was let my hair grow long and grow, have a little, you know, goatee or something like do that just to begin with and just see that happened to work for me. And so when I was starting at the very beginning, when I was going out for these darker things, I thought no one's going to buy that. No one's going to buy that from me. Hmm. I think I can do it, but it's, but you know, I go up and sing songs sometimes. You know what I mean? On right, you know, right. and Will Park, everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just I wasn't sure, but I knew. You know, I mean, as I said, I just think you've got to make it really organic. And so I started really kind of thinking back just on my life back growing up in Michigan and my family and white trash roots no disrespect but ha- knowing a real blue collar thing that for a, a while I kind of denied you know I went to a, a nice college and then when I taught at this prep school but you know I mean there was this other thing that was in me yeah. that I knew really well and but I'd never been able to show that and I was kind of afraid of it actually until I got out here and you know I grew my hair not necessarily because I was going to play I'm going to play bad guys, but I just wanted to be specific. And then when the audition started coming of being, you know, uh, someone from a psych ward or someone who's got a drug problem, I didn't have any experience of any of that stuff (laughs) personally, but I, I tried to just tap into that part of me. And, and so once that kind of kicked in and I was booking, then I started really kind of watching more TV and looking at, at you know, and looking through Ross reports and looking at those casting directors that cast those kinds of things and talking to my agent at the time, like, you know, if we thought about this program or this person is casting this. Do you think I can be seen for, for this? Right. And so my, my initial plan was just try to stick out physically. And I didn't know if that was going to work or not. I just knew I had a bunch of theater in my resume and I wanted to do TV and film. And when that kind of did work, and then when I saw what I was getting getting brought in for, I thought, okay, now you've got to figure out what that is. Learning to, to learning to rein my that energy in as best I could. Yeah, that was my plan. And you know, because I came out here ten years later than a lot of people, you know, I just wanted to just get give me three lines on something. So I, I you know, I was fine doing those that co-star stuff. I learned so much from doing that. It, you know, being able to say three lines on this show or six lines on that show. And then it was really nice once I started getting guest star roles, you know, one day guests and then guest star stuff. So I always kind of had a plan. You know, my plan was to, to just to be on, to be on TV and to, to try to work. And, mm-hmm. and then I, I wanted just continually wanted more for myself. Yeah. Have you found that one job has led to another in a very tangible way? I mean, maybe it was a referral or a friend hooked you up or, or, you know, it was the same office that cast the two shows. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like? It looks like you, just from your IMDb, like I was just kind of looking, I was like, I wonder what this was like. And it looks like you booked one and then it just started this kind of snowball for a while. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. um, I've worked with, with, you know, I'll tell you something. So many casting directors are loyal and that's been really great. Mark Sachs is a really loyal casting director. I did, um, numbers. Um, and then I just, um, did a guest star on, on medium, um, he's been great. I tell my friends, you know, sometimes we go in and and we come out and we feel like we did the best we could do. We feel really good about it and nothing seems to come 
from it. But I've learned that, you know, we're, we're planting these seeds and, you know, I auditioned for a movie of the week once and I, I twice and I felt so good about it. And I, when I left and I thought, ah, oh, gosh, like I, I just was kind of thinking I was going to get that phone call, which never came Yeah. until yeah. a year later, my agent got a call and said, you just booked this movie of the week. I'm like, I didn't audition for movie of the week. He's like, yeah, you did a year ago. And it wow. was just, and so, and also another television show, Love Inc. I had gone in for something from that same casting director, a different show, um, you know, maybe seven months prior. And I felt good about my audition. I, I think maybe I had a producer callback, but I didn't book. And then seven months later, I got an offer to do a guest star on a, on a different uh, sitcom. So Wow. Same, same casting director? Same casting director. But it's, it's so important. I think it's just remembering, like, we're just planting seeds and, and just do the best you can do. And it's hard, you know. It's hard when you're not going out every day. You know, I've got friends that go out three times a day. You know, I've got friends that go out once a month. And, you got you know, when you're going out less frequently, you put so much weight on every single audition. And it becomes so hard to let that go. Yeah. You know, for a while... I didn't want any feedback. I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want to know feedback because if my audition was on a Wednesday and I didn't hear by Friday, I thought, well, if I hear feedback and I didn't get it, it's going to ruin my weekend. So I'll have some hope until maybe Monday. (laughs) You know what I mean? It sounds so silly, but you know, I think that feedback is good because I think that's how we learn. You know, a lot of times you come out and you don't get something. Oh, it's because I wasn't tall enough. It's because I wasn't blonde enough. Sometimes that's the situation, but sometimes it's because we got to get in class yeah. or we've just got to work on, on some other things. I think what's really good is, you know, I've just recently learned that, you know, I'm an actor and I'm so happy and proud to be an actor and I've been an actor for so long and that's what I am and what I do and what I want and that's my passion. And at the same time, you know, when I'm in New York and if I'm doing a show, I've got a real set schedule. And my friends are on the same schedule and I'm working, you know, I'm doing so many shows per night and, and uh, I'm, excuse me, per week. And uh, out here, we just don't know unless you're doing a film or you're on a series, you've got a lot of downtime. And if you're just sitting at home kind of waiting for that phone to ring, man, that can be discouraging. And so I would always encourage somebody, you're still an actor, even if you're doing something else, even if you're teaching guitar lessons because you love it even if you're volunteering at a soup kitchen even if you are tutoring kids for money for the SATs you know even if you're if you're uh, a server at Maggiano's that's okay you know what i mean like i think a lot of people feel like when they get into debt and they're like i'm not an actor if i'm doing this other thing you know, I've started a swimming business because I love it. I've been a swimmer for a long time. Um, so basically, like I kind of teach swimming. Luckily, it's my own business, so I can make my own hours. But it keeps. I know I've always got some money coming in. It makes me happy because I'm doing something for somebody else. Yeah, and I'm still an actor. You know what I mean? And I think for a while I wouldn't even have thought about that. I wouldn't have thought about getting. You know, oh, I can't. You know, I, when I first moved to New York, I was a teacher. But then once that ends, you know, I'm an actor now. You know, fallback means failure. In my, that's what I thought in my head. But no, I feel like there's so much that we can do 
that you know we come in contact with with different people that aren't in the business, which especially out here is so nice, and it makes you a better actor, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's good. Another thing I think is good. You didn't ask me this question, but I feel like something that I've learned is to stay present. Um, sometimes we don't enjoy it when we get the gigs because we're always thinking about what the next thing is going to be. We just don't stay present and enjoy what we're doing right now. You know, whether it's theater and you're signing into that theater every day. Wow, I'm so lucky that I'm signing in to do this show. Yeah. I'm doing what I love. I get to be in Los Angeles or I get to be in New York Yeah, doing this thing. And I think we forget about it sometimes. We get so, we're always thinking about what's next, what's next. And absolutely, we've got to be ambitious and have goals and all of that. But we can't forget to just stay present. Yeah, yeah. Being you know? present is such a huge part of not only being a, uh, an actor, but also just being a, a healthy, kind of centered person, you know? I think so, too. I have two two questions before I want to I want to wrap up because we're probably getting to our time limit here. But okay. um, you you mentioned that you were just to go back to some of the more kind of tangible things that you were doing. Um, you mentioned that you were you felt like you were planting seeds with these casting directors, and then you you know you got a a call seven months a year later for booking something that maybe had been put on hold that you auditioned for. Did you? F- how did you keep in touch with those casting directors, if at all? Like when you plant the seed. Was it was that like a seven months you hadn't gone with speaking with them or seeing them or were there postcards or shows that you invited them to or what what did you do or, or if anything you know what um, I used to be really good. when in New York I was really good and I always had like postcards I was constantly sending I don't do that so much anymore in fact I don't do it at all but I wouldn't say not to do it you know there are some great casting directors Paul Weber at MGM. He gets he gets postcards of people going doing uh, shows, and he goes. There are quite a few, you know. I've got friends who are doing, you know, who will do be doing theater um, down in Santa Monica, and I'll go and I'll see casting people there. There are there are plenty of casting people that are out scouting, looking, you know, um, bringing people in when they see them doing those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my case, just in that movie of the week that I did and that uh, that sitcom I did, I didn't. I actually didn't in that time that passed. It was a total surprise because I, I actually didn't keep in touch. Um, now, my agent could have been submitting me for projects, other projects that they were doing, um, and that's just how they happened to see my name going across or their, my, my face going across their desk. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know... Um, L.A. is such an interesting place um, because, you know, you hear the word about having to be schmoozy. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't like to think of it that way. Um, yeah. And I've said before because it feels like there's a motive to it. But I have found that when you, in L.A., when you're going from your home to your car to an audition back to your car, it's different. In New York City, you get to, you meet, you see people all the time. You see casting people out and about, walking around at shows, at restaurants. Um, it's a little bit different feeling. Here, people seem to meet at parties or industry events. Yeah. And yeah. I always get a little nervous to go to them because I... And if I know who's going to be there and I, you know, I, it, what do you do when you go up to them? Like, yeah, is that hard. the place? It's, it's hard not to just 
wear your agenda on your sleeve. And what do you do? I'm still learning that, you know, like I want to be smart, but at the same time, these are people who are just coming, they're going to a Christmas party. And I feel like if they're at a Christmas party, that's what, that's what they're there for. I'm not going to, you know, I might say, Hey, how are you? You know, if I've, if I've worked with them before, if they've cast me, definitely I'll go up to them. If it's someone I haven't met, I don't know. Like, I feel like I should, you know, if I just, in my head, think, oh, it's just a Christmas party. I'm just going to say hello or introduce myself. You know, but like you said, like, is there an agenda happening? Is there a motive? Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, but I will say, you know, out here, that's just, it's about meeting people. Mm-hmm. It's about meeting people. And oftentimes it's in a, in, in a social situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one, you know, because so much of it is just like, building a reputation for yourself of just being that good, friendly, outgoing person. But at the same time, it's tough because everyone is expecting you to be selling something, you know, or, or, or pushing something, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a tricky balance to strike. And I think, and we, and we want to be proactive. So as actors, yeah. we, we want to, we want to let people know who we are and that you know, we're available. Yeah. But you're right. It's so tricky. When, when is the time? Yeah. Certainly not when you're at Ralph's. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because then you don't want to just, just dump your stuff on that person when they're just trying to buy milk for breakfast tomorrow morning, you know? Right, <laughs> right. I don't know. I mean, never, yeah. I never, that kind of a thing. If it's a beach or at Ralph's, like, if it's an industry party, I, in my mind, like, do they know that's what this is? I mean, it's, you know, it's actors and casting people and. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I don't personally send out uh, postcards to people anymore. I don't know. I mean, I guess why not? You know what I mean? I just think it's good to feel proactive. And if that's, um, you know, going on to actors access and seeing what you can submit yourself for, you feel like you're doing something. It's more difficult out here. You know, I know I I talk about, I kind of am comparing New York to LA a lot, but, um, it's mostly comparing theater to TV and film. If you're a theater actor, there's just more opportunity. They've got open calls, you can be seen, you know, you can be seen for Broadway shows without having an agent. Out here, it's really difficult to be seen for network television if you don't have an agent submitting you, mm-hmm. you know? So what do you do? I mean, do you go to those casting director workshops? I would say yes. You know, I guess if you know who actually is going to be there, you just, it's, it's hard. You just want to feel like you're being proactive. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I would encourage that. Well, something that we really push on the podcast is actors creating their own work as well you know and now with like you've got you know web series and stuff popping up all over the place i mean it's it becomes easier and easier to not wait for the phone to ring you know right and start writing you know flex those writing muscles and those those producing muscles and you know get get a producing for dummies book you know i mean it's 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 the tools are there you know they are yeah they are i i um Back in my, the back of my head, I've thought about that. You know, even though I was an English major, I was a literature major. I wasn't a, a, a writing major, but I've kept a journal for years. But I haven't seriously thought about like writing something. Mm-hmm. You know, I want something to be written. Let me just yeah, yeah. <laughs> just read it out loud. Sure, no, you yeah. know. But man, there are some ambitious people, and with these these webisodes, these series, mm-hmm. those are great things. The other question I wanted to um, jump to before we, we go to the end here is because um, you mentioned that you start we we just our one of our most recent episodes was an episode that we dedicated completely to actor what we called thrival jobs which was basically the day job 
but we didn't want to call it a day job because that has this connotation of being this like drudgery that you have to go through in order to, you know, work on your art, you know, in your free time. Right. So we called them thrival jobs and it was really kind of centered around what are the ideal jobs for actors to, you know, to nurture them and keep them going and, and help them thrive. And you mentioned that you started the swimming business. Right. I'm curious to hear more about that. What, what, cause you said you love swimming. So you, you were like, okay, I have this passion. What can I do to kind of build an income around it and build my schedule around it in a flexible way? So what was that like? What, what happened? Well, you know, I got lo- pretty lucky in New York. And so I just, I was working theater and, you know, I mean, mostly living for the most part, hand to mouth, but it was okay. And, um, I came out here and, you know, I wanted to make some extra money and I had a lot of free time. So I was kind of thinking before I was, you know, uh, broke, what do I do? And I, I had never, uh, waited tables before, um, or worked retail. And I was just thinking I had friends that, that I know had done some catering. I didn't know much about that. And so I just thought, what can I do that's going to bring money in, be something that I love to do, and maybe help somebody? And so I, you know, I immediately thought back about teaching. And I thought, well, I certainly can't take a teaching job because that's, I won't have, I can't take a full time job. I need to have it on my schedule. Can I tutor? I could tutor. But when I get gigs that come up or auditions, I would feel so guilty about having to cancel. So if I'm tutoring somebody for, you know, SATs or an achievement test, I, so I thought, I don't know how I'd feel about that. But what else can I do that maybe is in the realm of teaching? And, I, and the swimming thing popped into my head. And so, you know, my my goal was, you know, that came into my head. I'm like, that sounds like that could be a great thing I could do but I need to have my own business. How do I even start my own business? What do I even do? I don't really have any experience except the fact that I know how to swim. And so I, uh, I became a lifeguard and because I had to start somewhere and I was probably like the oldest lifeguard around LA, <laughs> but in, but I did it, you know, and I was able to still, you know, I mean, I, I, I just got lucky with schedule. I mean, that happened to be kind of a busy year for me. I was taking these lifeguard tests. I was doing, I was working as an actor, but somehow it, everything aligned and I was able to fit it all in. So I became a lifeguard. I was working at a pool. Um, I was teaching at a pool and, um, I started taking, you know, I became a U.S. swim coach and my WSI. I got all these, these certifications, um, a group fitness certification, and I started getting experience. I started teaching um, a lot of kids at the pool, and then they started referring me. You know, at first I I went on to you know I think I advertised like on Craigslist and uh, and uh, something called uh, SwimClub.com, and most people that go to those places want a, a little bit. Uh, they want lessons for not very much money, mm-hmm. and I'm like, if I'm gonna make, I want to make money if I'm gonna do this. So um, I started. It just became like referral, word of mouth. And, uh, that was in 2002 and now I still do it. You know, even if I'm filming something and my call time's at one o'clock, 
I'll teach at, at 11 if I can. I just like it. It relaxes me. I dig it. So I would just encourage anyone, you know, you've got to start somewhere. I didn't really have experience except that I was a swimmer. But if someone were to say, well, where, what have you done? I couldn't really say anything. So I knew well, I've got to get certified. I've got to, you know, I worked at this pool. I worked at a couple of pools, actually, um, until I was able to kind of do it on my own. Mm-hmm. So as I said earlier, like if you play the flute, I don't know, like maybe you go to USC or UCLA or some of the high schools and say that you'll give flute lessons. Or if, you know, I think that there's so many things. If you are a singer, you know, are you able to maybe rent out a studio space and give, give voice lessons? If you can speak Mandarin, you know, give Mandarin lessons. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to think of like things that, that if you enjoy doing, and again, you're still an actor, but you're doing something else. Maybe you're helping somebody else. You're making some additional money. Yeah. 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 I, and it's funny because I think we've mentioned this earlier in an earlier episode of the podcast, but um, a lot of those, a lot of the George Clooney's and Harrison Ford's and people like that have, you know, restaurants or clothing lines or or some other like thing that they do. Which is kind of their that could be considered their thrival job outside of acting, right? You know, so it's it's kind of neat to see that actors tend to be these these multifaceted entrepreneurial type people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think oh, I can't think of which actor that who was a, a carpenter or an electrician or something. It, was it? Her- I think it might have been Harrison. That might have been Harrison yeah. Ford. Yeah, who who, who was. Fixing a door or something, and then got to it was a reader for George Lucas for Star Wars. And after a while, they couldn't think of anybody else but him for the role or something. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. That's a great thing. It's you a know? great story. Yeah, yeah. It's just being out there and doing stuff and living your life. You know, that's yeah. so important. So, two questions that I want to ask to wrap up, and okay. these are questions that we that we ask all our guests, and I'm always fascinated to hear the answers. And one of them, I think you may have already answered, but I'm going to ask it again anyway. Can I repeat but, myself? Um, if I've already answered. Yeah. It? yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, totally. But the first question is, um, and this is a little a little woo woo new agey, right. but um, do you feel like this career chose you, or do you feel like you chose this career? I feel like this career chose me. Yeah. You know, I was six. Nobody in my family was in this business. I was from a small town in Michigan. I did one little play when I was in elementary school. And, you know, the bug hit me. And it was that deep passion, like, thing that is was in my gut that has stayed to this very day. Like, mm. just, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. I mean, where else does that come from? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I don't know. And then, like, I – then, you know, I did some work. I mean, I don't even know how I knew that there was a theater in my town and that they offered acting classes when I was, you know, in third grade. But I found out. But it was so – I was so passionate about it. And my parents, who uh, I told you before our interview, they were very, very young, um, so supportive, you know, yeah. here this – Got this little six-year-old saying he wants to be an actor, and my parents were like, "Okay, cool." It was great. That's awesome, and still really supportive. Cool, cool. Yeah. So I would say that that it it chose me. Right on. Yeah. Right on. And the second question is, um, 
and this is where I think you've already answered, but if you could take all your kind of experience mm-hmm. and all, all the things you've learned along the way, pitfalls, victories, all everything, just kind of distill it down into maybe one nugget of advice that you could give to an actor getting started, what would that nugget of advice be? Uh, listen to your gut. Try and let the second guess yourself and stay present. Cool. Well, that, this has been fantastic. Jim, thank you, thank Trevor. You. Thank you thank so you. much. I really appreciate being here and taking the time. Okay, welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed part two of James Leo Ryan's interview. A lot of interesting stuff about uh, type and working uh, as a guest star and just the kind of slightly different mind game that that is from, you know, the commercial thing, from the doing it yourself thing. You know, it's a whole different kind of set of rules that you yeah. have to, to kind of play by. I still say the thing that blew my mind the most from this interview was when he was saying that he would go into the audition room in character. Yeah. Yeah. Did, that, I, did I tell that, that story about the Australian accent thing I did did. You once? did, yeah. Did I say that on the podcast or was uh, that... Oh no, I don't, I don't remember. I don't think I did. Why don't you tell it again? I'll just I'll just tell the story real fast because this is one of those those things that instinctually I felt like I should do, but I didn't commit to it, and that's why I didn't get this part. I'm conf- I know I could have. I know they were considering me heavily. I don't think you talked about this on the podcast. Okay, so James Lee Ryan in part one of his interview talked about um, how he had he plays a lot of darker roles and how he would go in for these dark roles, but he would actually walk into the room with that energy, do the part. You know, do the audition in that energy, and then as soon as it's over, break and just be his cool, friendly, helpful self. Um, and that kind of like Albert and I were listening to that, and we were like, "Whoa, that's crazy, man!" Like, okay, that's intense. You know, it really sort of blew my mind because I've yeah. never really considered like, well, in a way, I kind of have because lately, what's been happening is my my manager will say things like, "You have to walk in like you're the sexy leading man." Yeah, and I'm like, what the, what the hell? First impressions, man. What does know? that even mean? You know, it's so <laughs> difficult to like, what I have to, what? So <clears throat> when he said this, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what she's talking about. It's like a character. Yeah. They want to see that you can do it. And I think it's more effective to show them afterwards that you're not really like that rather than showing them you're a nice guy, then you're acting and then you're back to nice guy. Right. Right. You no, know? exactly. I think it's very powerful. I think so too. And, and it wasn't until I heard uh, JLR. <laughs> say it on uh, yeah. on his interview that I even considered that to be what I don't know what she was talking about. Yeah, yeah. So so in this audition, um, the, the the part was for like a like an Australian like student studying abroad in the U.S. and I was I was staying at this hostel in the scene and I was supposed to like like be all sexy and like woo the American chicks or whatever, right? So I walked into the initial audition. I said hi, you know, did my thing, and I can do an Australian dialect pretty well. I, I studied it for a while in college and did a few shows. So I did it pretty well, and he was like, great. The cast said, great, I'm going to call you back, but my advice is when you go into the room with the producers, have that Australian dialect on the whole time. Don't come in and show them that you're not Australian. Like, be Australian from start to finish. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got the call back. Uh, I went back in, and when I walked in, there were like six producers in there, uh, or producers and directors and various people. And I was terrified to act like I wasn't me when I was just exchanging pleasantries and saying hi and stuff. And so I didn't say a word. They were like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? I was kind of like nodded and sat down and like, and then we did the scene and I did the Australian thing and they were like, thanks so much. That was really good. Thank you. And I'm like, 
I just kind of nodded and then walked out. And I was like, it was so horribly awkward. And because they were looking at me like, does he talk? Like, <laughs> he you know? only acts. But I, I just felt like I knew that I was faking it. And, you know, you think like this is what actors do. And I'm fine faking it when I got the script. But if I'm just like trying to talk to you person to person, it just doesn't feel right. And so I, I didn't do it and I blew it. But it sounds like this is something that Jimmy really has down, right? And that he can, and then he can do. So I'm going to take a take a page out of that book and see if I can get comfortable doing something like that. Stay tuned for the next time that we have a crazy <laughs> yeah. audition that requires us to be something something we're not. Wait, that's acting. Hang on a second. Okay, wait a second. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. I think that does it for uh, episode 33 <laughs> of Inside Acting. Um, um, feel free to uh, get in touch with us uh, if you. Uh, uh, find out what that study is from the 1940s or you just want to say hi or you have questions for us or one of our guests um, stay tuned for next week's guest we, who we know so yes. we should probably plug next week get next week guest go ahead yes yeah. your contact we're going sure. to have Taryn O'Neill on the show next week those of you who aren't familiar with her work um, check out compulsions.tv uh, blackbox.tv she's got a bunch of web series that she's done and she's big into the do-it-yourself new media um, kind of world, and she has some really, really cool shit to talk about. Yeah, and she's also very, she's been very smart about the way in which she's sort of um, uh, taken her own career by the balls, really, and just kind of been like, this is what my career is going to be. She's very targeted. She's like, I'm yeah. doing the sci-fi thing. Here we yeah. go. Here we go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so some really great stuff there, but we won't spoil that. We'll save that for next week. Cool. Um, so uh, in the meantime. Check uh, us out, uh, InsideActingPodcast.com, and you can shoot us an email at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment on the website underneath this episode. Uh, you can also tweet at us. We're at uh, Twitter.com slash InsideActing. You can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm Twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. I'm Twitter.com slash Digital Actor. You can fan us on face or like us on Facebook. <laughs> uh, just do a search for Inside Acting on Facebook. We're also on ActorRated.com, so just uh, do a search there if you'd like. You can leave us a little review that'd be cool you can also leave us a review on itunes um but only if it's five stars unless you've already complained yeah <laughs> let us know what we're doing wrong before you bash us there please uh and then last but not least you can oh, uh, leave us a voicemail thank you at one two one three two actors that's one two one three two 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 eight six seven seven and then last but not least you can donate to the podcast uh we do this thing completely out of pocket right now so every thing we do from traveling to meet our guests to setting up to traveling you know bringing this equipment around everything uh costs money and we we uh we pay for it so um <laughs> if you guys can help us out with that that'd be great you can kick us two bucks ten bucks one cent it doesn't matter any every, every penny counts and uh we set this up a few episodes ago but we now have a a small uh monthly subscription that you can do so if you want to donate three bucks every month on a recurring basis that's all on the right hand side of the website uh, just look for the two donate buttons. You can do the monthly subscription or just a one-time donation. Uh, and if you're an actor, you can write it off as an education expense. So please do. Yeah. So that does it I for episode 33. It. Wow. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, don't forget to crush it. <laughs> I'm AJ Meyer. I'm Trevor Algott. See you guys.